With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The return we've been waiting for is finally here. One of the sport's most notorious icons is stepping to the octagon this Saturday. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a free shot at huge cash prizes for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with first deposit. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about football playoffs, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the uh, DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot of millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the weekend. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And today, we, of course, are going to talk about the, the talk of the town in Buffalo sports. The Sabres are 0-2, the big thing on everybody's mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> at the, that's, at the, that's certainly what's been on my mind the entire weekend, obviously. It, it certainly is, and we are very happy to welcome our dear friend to the podcast, TJ Luckman, game day producer and network producer for WGR 550 for the Sabres games. TJ, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks, guys. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be back on. So... Talk, uh, talk some happy things with you, like Sabres hockey. Exactly. <laughs> the things that always bring a smile to our face. That's so, right. As a, as a disclaimer for everybody, we are going to talk about the Sabres, but we are also going to talk about the Bills after. We're going to get the sad stuff out of the way first. Yeah, you got you to gotta eat your broccoli before you get, I don't know, dessert <laughs> or whatever. Until you get to the main course, exactly. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the Sabres first. TJ, why don't you start us off? Uh, the Sabres opened up this weekend against the Washington Capitals. 0-2, uh, as you would expect after a 10-month layoff, they looked very slow, very sloppy, um, seemed like they still have to get their legs underneath them a bit, but a lot of the glaring issues that people were predicting that were going to come back to bite them in the preseason and in the offseason, uh, namely not addressing defense or goalies are seemingly going to be the things that are going to keep them back this year. Um, what was your early reaction to the start of the season and the Sabres prospects moving forward? Hmm. Well, the, the biggest thing I'm noticing is that not doing anything with the defense and the goaltending has uh, really done them well, it seems. Uh, although I, I do have to, they've done a good job of limiting chances. The problem is that their goaltending has let in every single high danger chance that they've gotten. Uh, and you need, and at some point you need them to make a save and there's, 
certainly the first night you said that a lot about Carter Hutton. Uh, but when you think about the second night, uh, that was a little bit of it, more of a low event night. But Allmark still, the, the goals that he let in uh, were goals that absolutely you want to see your one of your number one goaltenders make that save. And time and time again, that's been a savers issue for some time where where you need a save from your goaltender and they don't give it to you. Um, and then on Thursday, this wasn't as much of a problem, uh, but when you need a goal, they just can't give it to you. Uh, so, you know, a team that's a low event team that's not going to make any saves and not going to score any goals isn't going to lead to much success. Taylor, what do you got? So pretty much the same thing. Um, it, it, it feels very similar to last year. Obviously they have a little bit more talent and they, this year apparently have a second line center install, which they didn't have last year, but yeah, it's, it's tough because it's very clear that Kruger wants to play a little event hockey, that he wants to be a defense first guy. And yeah, that might work. It could, it kind of sometimes works in the NHL, at least in terms of maybe getting into the playoffs. But like if you're starting Carter Hutton 25 times this year, you're going to lose a lot of those games. Like he's, as bad as anyone in the league. When we had uh, Anthony from expected Buffalo on a few weeks ago, he mentioned like it, there was only like four goalies that were worse last year, but I think goal, the stat goal saved above average, like out of everyone that played like, like 60 plus goalies in the league. Like he's terrible, really awful. So even playing low event hockey and even playing uh, good defense, especially among your forward core and just whatever their whole defensive structure, they do a pretty good job with that. Yeah, sure. You're going to have a good expected goals against, but if your goaltending sucks and it sucks. And another problem with that is with keeping the, the blue line, the same, which is not a Ralph problem. That, that obviously is a Kevin Adams thing. Like he, he didn't do enough in the off season, but they aren't great at breakouts. And that's the whole point of defense is to not be playing defense at some point to, you know, start the rush, get it out of the zone and let the offense take care of things, let the forwards take care of things. But like, they're really bad at that. Like they play wrist line in a ton wrist line in has never been good at making good breakout passes. He kind of slaps the puck around wild. He always has. If he doesn't carry it, he's making a bad pass in all likelihood. Uh, meanwhile, like another a big problem with that is Darlene hasn't really looked good through two games. I mean, his advanced stats aren't great, but you can kind of see it like watching him. He looks like flustered and un- unconfident. Uh, that's a huge problem because that's the guy I would normally be like, all right, we have one good defenseman and we have one defenseman that can you can rule reliably make a breakout pass, get it out of the zone, start the, start the rush, start uh, going the other way. And he hasn't been, he was, he's looked really bad. I don't know why that is. He started last year looking bad too, really came on in the second half. So, so yeah, it doesn't really matter to me. And that's even before we get to how the Eichel line hasn't looked that great. That's all like, maybe they'll look better, but they're going to have these flaws. I don't see how they get around having them. Right. So let's kind of take this piece by piece. I first want to go back quickly to the goalie topic. Uh, as you had said, Taylor, uh, you know, we've talked about this at length. Um, and I think it's just pretty well known if you've watched the Sabres game in the past year. Carter Hutton is just really bad to the point where it is costing them games. And we were briefly chatting about this before we uh, started recording. But on waivers today from Toronto, Aaron Dell, he has some starter experience from San Jose. Not exactly the best year last year, but as a whole, San Jose underperformed last year. But statistically speaking his you know just more straightforward numbers and his underlyings he's 
perfectly average, which to me seems like a, a pretty substantial upgrade over Carter Hutton. Um, so TJ Taylor, what do you guys think? Do we think that Dell is somebody who the Sabres should consider putting a claim in on? Uh. Yeah, I'll go first. Yes, probably. I mean, he he is a 907 last year, and he was in the 800s the year before. I'm not 100% sure about him, but Hutton, like I said, he's he's in the argument for the worst goalie in the league. So, yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's going to be important to have, like, options here because they're playing almost exclusively back-to-backs this year. They're playing a lot of games in, in short time. They're doing this whole playing teams twice at a time series thing. Like, for example, they have a back-to-back tonight and tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday. So that'll be – huge problem if you have to have Carter Hutton playing one of those two games every time there's a back-to-back uh Dell like I said I'm not super confident in him but I I am interested I I do wonder if the Pagoulas would even be interested so this is this doesn't come from any knowledge I have or anything like that it's just an observation that there's a lot of reports about how they're losing a lot of money on the Sabres that came out during the uh during the shutdown back in spring and how they were losing as much as $50 million a year on them and how a lot of their businesses weren't doing very well during the pandemic. You know, they had to stop building their super yacht, yada, yada, all that stuff. Uh, so I wonder like if that would, was a big force in them preventing, you know, Adams from buying out Hutton and just eating eager of that contract. I think it's only three and a half million, but that's not nothing in the situation. And then I think, I wonder if that's the thing. Like they would have rather done that. So the Pugolers are like, no, have him get LASIK. We'll spin it as that. We're confident that his eyes work now. Yeah, that's, I don't think that's gonna, I think, I think I was, I was banking on the same thing that, you know, hopefully the, the, whatever eye surgery he got, whatever correction he made to fix it would, you know, at least make it passable. But, uh, you know, it's been one game. I don't want to get too, freaked out about it but also like one game and all of the same issues came flooding back uh so to me yeah sure it makes sense to put in a claim on Aaron Dell I don't know you know what we're expecting out of that I mean looking at you know going from the evolving wild uh site here Aaron Dell had you know uh you know when he was playing a eight point nine goals above replacement 1.6 wins above replacement I mean, it it wouldn't hurt. He was 31st in that. Um, and then you go down the list and Linus Olmar, who's kind of their starter this year, is their, well, it's not really their starter. There looks like they're going 1A, 1B type situation until somebody takes it. Uh, but, I mean, Linus Olmar is down the list at, at 46th in the league in, in that stuff. So, I mean, nice. oh. you know, it's, it's something that they need to address for sure. Um, and at you know, at this point, I'm a fan of like, you might as well claim guys until something works there because you need a switch there somewhere. And obviously the trade market isn't doing something for you. Um, but what you have right now is not a tenable situation. You can keep going through and expect to make a playoff run. Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, moving throughout the rest of the lineup, you know, I think TJ, you kind of alluded to it there before, but we're seeing a lot of the issues that, you know, the team was, was dealing with last year. And that's going to happen when you keep so much of the roster um, from teams that have just consistently underperformed. And I think the thing that's interesting too, with like Hutton is like, 
I'm very much of the belief right now that like, yeah, it is early. You had a 10 month layoff. It's going to take a lot of time for you to kind of get back in the swing of things, you know, namely like Jack, for example, he, I don't think has really impressed anybody so far, but I think that's just going to come with time and conditioning. Um, But beyond that though, you know, a guy like Hutton, we know what he is. I, I don't think that there's anything that he could do to, to change you know, the kind of player he is and like eye surgery or not. I, that's just, I think who he is right now as a goalie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in my mind, I mean, it's inexcusable that they went into this year without making any additions to the net or to the defensive core, something that, you know, it's one thing if they had a, a solid season, you know, last year among like the D core and that they felt good about every coming back and the same could be said for the goalies, but both underperformed um, pretty significantly so i don't know i mean it to me you know even though it is early in the season i'm already like catching myself wondering like taylor hall and, and eric stall were great additions in the off season but were they doomed from the start for not addressing these other issues to me the during the off season they needed to do three things they needed to address the 2c position that they have been neglecting for a couple of years since they traded o'reilly and they needed to figure out a way to take the all the minutes that Ristolainen is playing off of him, and they needed to address goaltending easily. So they did number one, which is which is all well and good. Um, and number two, the jury was kind of out on until you saw what they did uh, to open the season. Uh, and number three, they just completely ignored. And number two, uh, from what we've seen. Uh, from the first two games, uh, Darlene and Montour have been the ones who are, are leading in minutes, uh, you know, whatever that situation seems to be. Um, so Aristolainen's been third. So even a, a slight reduction in minutes hasn't really, well, a slight reduction in minutes has actually helped him a little bit. Um, but also it's a small sample size. So I don't want to say that that's the answer here. Um, but um, the other thing is, an increase in Downlean's minutes and you're seeing some small mental mistakes that you don't really want to see out of your number one franchise defenseman. That's supposedly this guy that's going to take a leap this year. And I'm not saying he's not going to, but it's, and it's only been two games. He's been good for a season and a half of his two year NHL career. I don't want to, you know, uh, I've, I've seen a little bit of like, should we start to worry about Dalene? I don't know about that yet, but uh, it is concerning that he seems to have these jitters at the beginning of the season uh, with Ralph Kruger for the second year in a row. Yeah, Dalene is kind of who I wanted to talk about next, so that was a great transition there because, like you said, TJ, I, last year he really – I mean, he's fine and he's putting up points. Started slow. Yeah, he did start slow though. And he he ended up turning it on like for sure. That's, Mm. that's undeniable, but um, he, I mean, again, 10 month layoff. So I, I understand that. And who knows, like a week from now, he may look a lot different once he gets his legs under him a little bit more, but yeah. um, I would say, I don't know if I'm worried per se about him. What I'm worried about though, I think is his, uh, usage from the coaching staff and what they're telling him to do and how they're telling him to play. Um, because even though he did end up turning it on at the end of last year, uh, the guy who he was under Housley and the guy who he is under Kruger are two different players in my mind. 
Um, under Housley, yeah, he was definitely maybe prone to doing more risky things, but Housley let him off, like off the leash and let him play his style of game and let him, you know, rush the puck up and, and be a true offensive defenseman. Um, Kruger seems to have this overemphasis on really trying to hammer home a, a two-way game with him when that's not why he was the number one overall pick. That's not why he has the hype that he has and why he's viewed to be one of the best defensemen, uh, young defensemen in the game. It's, it's because of his offensive creativity. So when you have a coach who is uh, seemingly handcuffing that and has been handcuffing that, it makes me wonder, you know, how much longer we're going to have to keep putting off this conversation about Ralph Kruger. I mean, I know a lot of us are already starting to have it, but like, I just don't know. I'm pretty much at the point and well beyond the point of knowing that, like, I don't think that Kruger is the guy because it, it goes for how Darlene is being deployed in the, the way that he's seemingly trying to play now it's Skinner being on the fourth line. It's it's Ristolainen's minutes. And again, we'll see how that unfolds if he ends up reverting back and really starting to give him the number one minutes again. But it, it just seems like there's a, a lot of issues facing this team. I don't think anybody's denying that they have holes, but their coach and his decision-making isn't helping them at all. Taylor, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I think one of the big things is playing with Montour potentially could be, I mean, it's more than that, but I don't know if I like that pairing for Darlene. Um, and honestly, I think Ristolainen, like Montour owes uh, Ristolainen quite a bit, like quite a debt of gratitude, because if it wasn't for Ristolainen still being around after all these years, we would be talking a lot more about Montour and what a, what a bad trade that was, how he's, he probably like should have been traded again in the offseason by the Sabres or how he shouldn't really be on the team. Uh, so, but it's not just that though. Like you can kind of tell, like, like, as you mentioned, TJ, he did look bad at the beginning of last year too. And it's not, it wasn't just like an ineffectiveness and it wasn't just him not playing up to his potential or taking or whatever. Like he looked, he more so he looked, than most players remember, he looks, he looks scared. He looks, uh, he looks like, like he was second guessing himself. That's a great way to put it. And that's what he looks like again right now. Yeah. And I, I don't know why that is, but it's, it's concerning. I mean, especially if it's, it's because of Kruger. I don't want to say Housley did, you know, uh, something right there, but I, I mean, I, I'll give, I, I'll give Housley credit that he essentially, somebody said, you know, he, he kind of let Darlene be Darlene after a little while. Um, he, you know, he had a couple games where he was really eased in, but for the most part in that first season, at least once a game, you saw Darlene make a play where you're like, wow, that guy's going to be great. And then you get to the next season and it's like, okay, where did that go? Uh, I think last year he was dealing with a little bit of an injury too, or something at the beginning of the year. Uh, He had a concussion, I know. And then right when he came back from his concussion is when he kind of started to really turn it on and get it. Um, and this year, I don't want to, I can't say, say enough that I don't want to make a judgment after two games. Um, you know, I think a lot of these guys are still trying. I know they just had a two week camp, but a lot of these guys haven't skated in months, hadn't skated in months. Um, so, I mean, I mean, the Sabres especially hadn't skated since March officially, um, and, you know, a lot of those guys couldn't even get ice time for, for wherever they were. It's, it, it's very concerning, just very concerning to that this, for the second season in a row, 
you're already asking questions about the guy that you pick number one. And quite frankly, uh, a guy that you pick there, you kind of already want to just be there. That guy, the third year in, right. I think that's, I don't think that's too much to ask at this point of how, uh, you know, first overall picks go. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, a lot of times people, and I guess I, I won't lie, it brings me back down to earth a little bit, but when people kind of make the Hedman comparison where it took Hedman, I think it was like four or five seasons before he like really took right. a big jump. Yeah. Um, and, you know, every player is different and we know that defensemen, you know, they progress at a different pace that forwards do. Uh, but I, you're right, TJ. I don't think it is too much to ask at all, especially when you look around the league and you see, you know, what, Quinn Hughes is doing and Cal McCarr is doing and Miro Heiskanen is doing, you know, these guys are Darlene's direct comparables. Um, yeah. They are his peers. And they're they're a year old. They're a year older than him. Right. Uh, McCarr, McCarr is the same draft, right? Uh, no draft before draft before. Yeah. yeah. He was, he was in college for a year. And He's then just he the same time, age right. as him, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but exactly like we already have comparably aged uh, players uh, that have, that are, we would consider them ahead of him. Uh, and as a first overall, there's, there's a certain level of pedigree that you expect when you take a guy number one overall, like always number one overall, you expect him to come in right away um, and contribute offensively. Um, and that he did bring that right away. And for some reason, uh, I, you know, Kruger has said some things where it's like you get the feeling that he felt the need to scale that back and and to make him focus more on the decisions that he was making. And it's like I said before, it's it's like he's second guessing himself based on that. And well, now and then, you wonder if the time apart um, has just made him revert back into his old. This is this is what Rasmussen does, and now he has to revert back to the Kruger. Uh, the, the way Kruger wants. Well, and the thing that, you, you know, to your point, the thing that Ralph is asking him to re revert back on is the very thing that makes Hughes and Makar and Heiskanen so great is that right. you can let them off the leash, let them do their thing and be these offensive threats because one of the things that all four of those guys, Darlene included, all have in common is their like skating ability and that they're able to get themselves back into position after a rush um it's something that we've seen Darlene be able to do I mean he is a great skater I mean you know a to b speed wise he may not be the fastest but just his ability and his uh, I, I don't know it, it, it's puzzling to say the least Taylor any other thoughts on Darlene before we move on yeah he's a sweet boy so come on get, get you know get going bud damn right we're all rooting for you all right well how about we talk about the forwards then Taylor you want to start us off uh really the main thing I'm sure we're, we we kind of need to talk about is Jeff Skinner I, I that's going to be a trend until we figure out what Ralph is thinking um but early reactions on Jeff Skinner who I think everybody thought looked pretty damn good the first couple games yeah he does look good I mean it's it just it's incredibly frustrating because and I I feel like we're going to talk about this all year. Like the idea of every player conforming to a style is like, it's asinine. It's stupid. You're going to have guys that aren't good at certain things. And I think you have a lot of guys who aren't good at scoring goals, like almost the entire team. So the fact that you have one of those guys who's not really good at the things you want or your, your principles, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, <laughs> like he can score. He's great. Like, obviously he's not just like a, like a one trick pony scoring, like he's a great offensive player in general. So 
the idea of treating him like this is it's absurd and now like it feels like ralph is this weird like ne- not never being wrong thing or never thinking he's wrong thing so i feel like you're just gonna get him on the fourth line for like ever to prove a point and it's like yeah he doesn't have to be playing with eichel he probably shouldn't be but like why did you trade for taylor stall or says jesus eric stall why did you trade for eric stall i mean i what was the point of that everyone at the same time when that happened uh thought like the same thing like okay that'll be someone for skinner to play with that'll be second line might be looking pretty good now and it still might be but it's like why did you do that if you're just gonna throw him on the fourth line i mean you could play he, I, I just, i'm kind of beyond words and i mean for him to play like the way he did those first two games and ralph to basically not acknowledge it that he was wrong is yeah it's it's asinine and i'm yeah Anyway, he looks good though. I'm glad he looks good. TJ, I, I, yeah, he looks, he looks great. He looked great both games, and it's one of those things where I think at this point you wish you weren't getting the runaround from both parties. Uh, you wish you could get a straight answer on what's going on there because at the end of the day, you see him play those two games, and you go, okay, what, what principle am I missing? He uh, uh, was attacking on the puck. He was consistently attacking in the zone, creating scoring threats with two line mates who aren't consistently scoring threats. Uh, you, so again, I go back to you, you wish you knew what was going on there. You wish there was a straight answer, but you get the answer from Ralph that, you know, he's, he's got to follow the principles. And then you get an answer from Skinner that. You know, he, he did have a, an interesting way of, uh, of answering that question the other night where he, you know, somebody asked him a question uh, where, you know, asking him about the, the scoring chances. And, you know, he goes, well, I tend to think I'm a pretty good player. And, and it, the, the tone he said it in was like, OK, that was interesting. And then he goes on to say that he he thinks that things between him and Ralph should, you know, be coaching the what the coach says and what he says to the coach should be between him and the coach and that's fine and I respect that uh but as a hockey fan and you're looking at this and you you're going that guy scored 40 goals once with that guy put him with that guy I saw it with my own eyes why aren't we doing that and and you don't you just wish you knew what was going on there yeah Taylor the point that talking furthering this conversation with Skinner you had made the point last week where it was like, and you just said it again, again there now, like, why aren't you playing him with Saul? For me, I've been thinking about it like through the weekend. What I keep going back to is like, for one, I don't think that uh, Eichel and Hall together is, is working necessarily. I think that they're very similar players. I know this has been talked about by a lot of people, but I think they're similar. And I think that we would be better served splitting them up on the first and second line. But to me, it's like, rather than putting Skinner with, with stall it's like well why aren't you either putting him with eichel or with hall like those are your two most talented skilled players your two top playmakers and skinner is your top goal scorer like he is the best one on the team i know olafson is great but like at five on five where you are playing the vast majority of the game skinner is the guy so what is keeping you from trying to put him with your two best elites like top end of the league playmakers why wouldn't you want to put the guy who is notorious for being able to finish with them? And TJ, like you said, I mean, 40 goals, you, you had 40 goals with him. And then it was like, okay, we're not going to do this anymore. Like you gave him the big contract. Like you should 
continue to try to get him to like earn up to that contract. You know, this doesn't have to be an opposo situation where you're putting him on the fourth line and then you're like, well, like he's at least effective, but we're paying him $6 million, but like he's effective in that role. It's like, no, with Skinner, like he can actually earn his money. Like he can earn his salary. It's not like we have to like live with this like horrible cap hit. You can do things to, to mend this. And it's a simple thing. Just move him up the lineup. Again, it's such an odd thing because you think back to it and uh, Jeff Skinner wasn't signed here. Ralph came on Ralph. You heard that Ralph was having conversations with Jeff Skinner about wanting to be here. So what's the point of him being here? If you had all those conversations, you decided, okay, that's the guy we want to sign to a long eight year contract. What? I mean, again, I'm going back to it's one of those things at some point I want a straight answer of what's going on and enough of the runaround of we want them to follow principles and we want to keep it between us. Um, another thing that you mentioned that I wanted to bring up uh, was uh, the Hall and Eichel together. Um, not great. I haven't loved it. And the one thing that I did like was that a player like Reinhardt kind of activated both of them. Uh, on a line together is is anybody more undervalued in this organization than sam it gets me so mad (laughs) no and it's frustrating because um i believe it was uh kevin uh kevin you you've had kevin on the the, the podcast before uh night rider uh kevin and um you know he's even said like at this point uh, not Reinhardt's a lost cause, but like you, you've shanked his contract value so much, his UFA value that like at this point, you know, starting to even think about a Reinhardt trade makes sense, which stinks. It stinks. Um, but you've pretty much lost all of his controllable years because of how you've dealt with him since his first contract year. So, and, and that's, that's on Jason Bottrell. Um, but uh, this is, you know, this is completely tangent to whatever we were talking about. But the 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 treatment of Reinhardt is uh, the way the way that's worked out for them has just it's really burned it's really burned them and it's going to it, it's put them in a position where they really have to go for it now. So you question what's going on lineup wise. Like you you pretty much are put in a situation like I don't really care what's going on with Je- Jeff Skinner behind the scenes. Like you need him to do the thing that he's good at. You need him to put him in that position too. Enough of this, he should be able to do it himself. He's not. So you're the coach. Figure out how to activate the best qualities of your players. Well said. <laughs> Very well said. What do you say, guys? Should we maybe up the mood a little bit and, and talk about happier things? Sp- speaking go. of coaches that actually put their players in good situations. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get to the Bills talk, we are actually going to take a quick second to listen to a word from a new sponsor of the Hockey Podcast Network, who you all are familiar with. This is a promo for DraftKings. The return we've been waiting for is finally here. One of the sport's most notorious icons is stepping to the octagon this Saturday. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a free shot at huge cash prizes for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with first deposit. 
If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about football playoffs, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the uh, DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot of millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the weekend. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, everybody, we are now back for the happy portion of the episode. The the good, exciting, wonderful boys known as the Buffalo Bills have advanced to the AFC Championship game where they will face off against the Kansas City Chiefs for the rights to head to the Super Bowl representing the AFC. Um, before we get into the ramifications and like the AFC Championship game and everything, I'd just like to hear, you know, both of your guys' recollection from yesterday and just how it was kind of watching that, because I think for all of us, it's a moment that we really have not gotten to experience, um, at least with the Buffalo sports team, not in like 15 years almost. So, and really like the first time with the bills, but uh, just your general reactions to yesterday, how it felt for you watching the game. So I don't know if it's a, uh, this is a Buffalo sports fan thing or an NFL fan thing or whatever. Maybe I'm just a negative person, but I kind (laughs) of, At first, when Taron Johnson caught that uh, interception, I thought it was a Ravens touchdown. I thought a Ravens player caught it. And when I saw him running out of the end zone, I was like, oh, man, no way this is going to be a pick six. And he kept going. And I didn't, like, celebrate right away. I was like, okay, where's the flag? Is there a flag? And then I was like, okay, no flag. Let's go. (laughs) It's it's such a weird thing. And I think it kind of speaks to, like, the the underlying feeling that nothing – could ever go right and now it is going right uh i felt like yesterday was really encouraging for a lot of reasons but chief among them is that Allen didn't really play well and they still won by two touchdowns like they got some luck obviously like uh justin tucker doesn't usually miss two field goals and they both he he barely missed both of them but they solidly won and their defense looked awesome after like the first six or seven plays when baltimore kind of just ran it down the gut at them they they really looked good i mean the Ravens still ran for like 150 yards, but they always run for like 150 yards. So what are you gonna do? They averaged almost 200 yards this year, a game. Uh, so that that was really encouraging. Like it, it shows that like they could they're not really just a team with a great passing offense. They're they're really well rounded. They have a great coach, and like they can win in a variety of ways, uh, which would be good uh, for next week because you know they're facing a pretty good team. Yeah, DJ. Yeah, I'll be yeah I'll be honest. Uh, once they went up. Once they went up three to nothing, uh, I, my confidence went up a lot because I knew that the Bills playing with a lead against a team like the Ravens was going to be important. Uh, missing field goals obviously was not part of that plan, but kind of played into it where it allowed the Bills to, again, play with the lead the entire time, and it allowed Baltimore to waste a ton of time. Um, and then at the point to the point where once it was three to three at the end of the first half, I was like, okay, Buffalo gets the ball. And I feel like if they can figure the Ravens out once they're okay. And then they went out and did that. And then the Taron Johnson play happened. And obviously that was, that, that secured it for me, but I, I don't know 
if I've ever felt so even keeled during a game where I just kind of didn't let myself get worried about it. I, uh, I subscribed to, I, I subscribed to all the Bills pill thing going on. And I just decided <laughs> I'm, I'm just not going to worry about anything. I'm just going to watch the game and it, it's gonna Everything, it's going to go, it's going to be fine. And it was, and it was great. <laughs> so uh, now the, the Taron Johnson, I, uh, my, my, probably my entire, my dog was attacking me because I was just going so nuts from excitement. <laughs> um, and, and I'm sure that like the entire neighborhood heard me just absolutely screaming my lungs out. It was, it was just the most cathartic experience I think I've ever had while watching the bills. And I feel like we've had a lot of those moments this year uh, in general with them. And, and this, it was just one of the coolest things to, to experience. Like I've seen so many people say already like one of the top Buffalo sports plays in, in history. And it's like, Holy yeah. Like I'm never going to forget that. Never going to forget what was going on, where I was, all that stuff for that touchdown. It was just that the moment was that insane. It really was. I mean, yesterday in general, I felt like was just a moment because I, <laughs> I don't know. I just, everybody's just general reaction, like the city, like I, I saw a ton of videos on, on Twitter this morning and everything, but even like myself, I mean, I live in the Elmwood village, like two blocks away from Bidwell park. And after the game ended for probably the next two hours straight, all I heard was just con- continued screaming, cheering <laughs> people doing like the shout song, like it was nuts. And like, I went out on my front porch balcony at, with a couple of my friends who I, I was watching the game with And it was like insane to take it all in because I'm like, you know, probably halfway down the street from Elmwood. um, And it was like a continued roar that you just heard like from like a block away. And it was all down Elmwood, all the way down into Allentown, going all the way up through the Elmwood village and just like looking across the street and next door to me on either side and having like all of my neighbors like being out on their porch and everybody was just like cheering and screaming and it was like honestly it was kind of similar to like how Elmwood Village was when it was announced that Biden won the election it was it was crazy (laughs) it was it was just the most unbelievable response and just the way that it brought everybody together and just everyone losing their collective minds over it. I mean, like you said, TJ, that's just something that I feel like every Buffalo sports fan is going to remember for the rest yeah. of their lives. Um, and speaking of, of, of memorable moments, there could be a, a lot more to come now um, with the very unfortunate news that, uh, well, Patrick Mahomes was knocked out of today's game with a concussion mm-hmm. and Chad Henney came in. Um, he made the plays when he had to, but he also is Chad Henney and is 35 years old and Patrick Mahomes did not look good. Like it was nasty when he got up, he, he just did not seem to have any sense of where he was. He, he just looked like he was on another planet. And I mean, that he definitely has a concussion. It's just like to the degree to which we don't really know right now, but Kansas city is very talented, but when you're taking the best player in the entire league out of the equation, that, that's sizable. Um, how are we feeling now ahead of the matchup with Kansas city next Sunday? There is no way Patrick Mahomes isn't playing next Sunday. I, I, I don't care what protocol 
uh, is is going on, they're they're gonna find a way for him to play next Sunday. I don't think there's any there's I I, I saw somebody bet, uh, bet their entire bank account that they're he's playing, and yeah. I, that's that's pretty much how I feel about it. Whether you get 100% Patrick Mahomes, who knows? But but you're not getting Chad Henney next. Right. Unless, well, okay. Unless, <laughs> Let me just say this then. I just I wanted to at least put it out there because it, it's early on and everything. Going into it with the expectation, though, that we will be playing against Mahomes, the degree to which he will be injured, uh, we will not know. But like knowing that Mahomes will be under center for Kansas City next week, how are we feeling? So it's hard to say. Uh, and yeah. to TJ's point, I actually agree because – I think they already Andy Reid kind of planted a seed in the post game presser today when he said Mahomes like he said he passed all the deals quote unquote, which kind of makes it seem like oh he's fine we just held him out as a precaution. I think that's kind of the vibe he was putting out there. So yeah, I mean like they'll ignore protocols because it's the AFC Championship and the NFL will be fine with it because it's Patrick Mahomes. Right. Um, but yeah, like as far as how he actually looks, I'm still not convinced it's possible for him to look <laughs> really bad for four quarters. True, uh, but. Yeah, playing with a concussion, obviously, I should say it's a terrible idea. You know, I know it's the FC championship and all that, it's a big yep. game. But like if you if he or anyone else listening has ever seen the documentary League of Denial or read the book League of Denial, uh, written by the Fairnew brothers, concussions have uh it's underrated with you know, the number of great uh, professional athletes who have their lives not ruined but permanently altered uh by concussions. Uh but yeah, anyway, more to the point. I don't know what that means then. Uh, the Bills obviously did an incredible job of containing Lamar Jackson, but Mahomes is really a different guy than Lamar Jackson. And I don't even know what the plan is really. Like They could try to do like the Niners last year had the best defense in the league or maybe the second best of the Patriots. They were incredible. And then for three quarters of that game, they're incredible, more than three quarters. And then he decided it was time to win and they won. So as far as the actual playing against Mahomes thing, I'm not confident in that. However, I even though the Bills haven't been spectacular on offense the last two weeks, I think this will be the this is a step down defensively for the Chiefs. The you yeah. know the Colts have an awesome defense, frankly. Uh, the Ravens have a really good defense, and I don't think the Chiefs really do. Like they're fine; they're not as bad as they were two years ago. But like, I'm not scared of them defensively. I think the Bills are able to score, and I think if they want to win, they'll probably have to go uh, back and forth with them. I don't think there's going to be, you're not going to get a 17 to three win and you're not going to probably beat them with field goals, but yeah. So, I mean, it's hard not to be at least a little bit confident now. Like <laughs> they, they just looked so good. They've won every game since I think early November when they lost to Arizona, whenever that was, it was at some point in history. So like they, they've, they haven't really looked, I mean, the worst they've looked was against the Colts and like, I mean, the Colts are good. That was a, it was a playoff team. So I, I do feel fairly confident, but you know, it's the AFC championship, you know, it's. Yeah. Anything can happen. Anything can happen there. Very and true. I think, I think, uh, I don't know if we were going to me, were you going to me? I'm sorry. <laughs> we're always going to you, TJ. <laughs> the, uh, I think the, uh, it's, I think Taylor's right where you're not going to get away with what they tried to do earlier this season against the Colts, which is basically just take the, take the big play out of the game and just let them run it all over you because they can, they're going to, they're going to beat you that way too. And that's the problem with Kansas city is that they can beat you in multiple ways. So I think you have to take them on 
the way your offense works best and just let it fly. Um, you, you can't control the clock. You're rushing game. Brian, I don't care what Sean McDermott says about what Brian Dable did about the, uh, the running game in the, in the first half yesterday. I think Brian Dable has the uh, right idea and just not running the ball at all. Why bother? It doesn't get any value for you. If you're going to get, especially seven Singletary is only going to run for a couple or, or two yards. I mean, you know who your guy is. Josh is your guy. Let, let him, let him, let him win it, you know, right away. And yesterday that, I mean, that's a dicey call yesterday because uh, the Ravens uh, to Taylor's point have probably one of the best defenses that the Bills had to play in the playoffs uh, next to the Colts. Both of those defenses are one of the best. Uh, and now you're getting a cold, uh, a Chiefs defense that, you know, uh, a couple times today, you know, gave the Browns space to operate. Um, so I think that's something that the Bills can exploit offensively to the point where if they're in a shootout with them, I like their chances. And plus, the defense has been really coming through lately, too. Uh, you can't really ignore how good the defense has been since Matt Milano's come back, too. Which, next week's matchup, I think the the one that we're really all going to be looking at is going to be Milano yeah. on Travis Kelsey. I mean, that is going to yeah. be a battle. And I think for the Bills' defense to continue doing what they've been doing, Milano is going to have to have, like, the game of his life. But – to Taylor's point, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny how the timing at least is working out well, where the Bills defense the past handful of weeks, even prior to the playoffs, but especially the past two weeks, has been playing better than it's ever been. And the offense now heading in against a team who, I mean, I don't think Kansas City, like you said, Kansas City's defense isn't better than Baltimore's, um, and the Colts have a damn good defense too. So it, it could be the opportunity for Josh to kind of open things back up and get back to, to where he was a few weeks ago. Um, I mean, generally speaking, do you guys think that this is going to happen? Do you think the bills will advance to the Super Bowl? I, I think I, I like, I'm, I don't dislike their chances. Um, I mean, I'm, if I'm going full fan mode into this, like, I think they can beat anybody. Um, and I don't think I have to go full fan mode to even say that, like this yeah. Bills team is really something, um, something special. Um, the, the numbers say that, um, what I'm looking at in front of my face says that they're fun as hell. They're so fun. Like you, you like practically everyone on the team too. Um, and I think, I don't think we talk enough about how, how on top of them being really good, they're also insanely likable. And so I don't think likeable. you get that. You don't get that a lot, but every once in a while in Buffalo, you do. Um, I've been comparing this a lot to, this is the Sabres podcast, so I don't think this is uh, too. Excuse my cat here. Um, oh, nice! We always love extra guests. <laughs> this is me, so um, yeah. I, I've been comparing this a lot to the 0506 team um, in just the hi, <laughs> me, so um, in just how fun, how fun everything is. This is so good. You're, we will be you, posting the video of this portion I'm, of the of the, of the interview yeah, on, this is on the our Twitter video. Oh man, this is this is adorable. Good job, Miso. <laughs> Do you um, have a take, Miso? Yeah, uh, please give us your take on the Bills. Yeah, okay. agreed. Well, agreed. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Sound don't point. think about. She says, "Don't think about it too much," and I have to agree. I <laughs> love that attitude. 
No, you're right though. That 0506 comparison. I mean, it's kind of hard. Thank, to, thank you. You got it. You got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just going to say, it's, it's hard to not make that comparison, you know, right. where I think I haven't had that this much fun since then. And that was totally, high school. <laughs> totally. And I think it's, there's, there's a lot of parallels there in that coming into this season, I mean, everybody knew that the Bills were going to compete, and especially with Brady being out of the division now, the expectation was the division. I don't think anybody was anticipating them to do what they've done and be as good and as dominant as they've been for Josh to take the steps that he's, t- that he's taken. I think we all knew that getting Stefan Diggs was a huge deal, but I don't think anybody knew that he would be like the best receiver in the NFL this year good. Um so it, it, it's, you know, you have that kind of surprise factor because with 0506, of course, the team made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But going into that season, they were not believed to be that kind of team. Even going into the playoffs, they weren't believed to be that kind of team. And that's kind of similar to the Bills. Even though they went 13 and 3 this year, they still, there was fair share of people who, maybe not so much against Indy, but last night, not a lot of people picked them to win. It was pretty evenly split, uh, at least from what I saw. And so, you know, it, it's that mix between you have this like youthful excitement and kind of, again, another parallel too, is when you think about like Bill's teams prior to this administration, it's been what it's, it's been underwhelming quarterback play, running the ball, kind of being your thing, you know, being more of like that gritty hard nosed team the nineties and early two thousand Sabres, who were they grind like grinders, you know, like gritty, hard nosed, tough to play against kind of teams. And then in 05, 06, it's like, wait a minute, we could just be like really good and just super skilled and better than everybody and not have to like work harder just because we're naturally better. And that's kind of what this bills team is. Now they are just better. Like they get matched up against guys and they're better than them. They're, they have a, an insane level of depth that they've never had before. Um, both sides of the ball have undeniable star power with guys who are arguably in the top five of their respective positions on both sides of the ball. And yep. one question that I want to kind of just throw out there to you guys, because I cannot for the life of me, I don't think I will ever, ever like, stop undyingly showing my love for Stefan Diggs. But like, when was the last time that Buffalo sports has had a player so dominant and so good? I mean, is it Dominic Hasek realistically? Is it Ryan Miller even like in his Vesna year? I, I mean, it's, I, I think it's something worth thinking about because Diggs has, I mean, he is literally at the top of his game right now. And he, he shows up, he's shown up in the playoffs, back-to-back 100-yard receiving games. He led the NFL in receptions and in receiving yards this year. I mean, he's been a force, you know? So I'm curious if you guys have any opinions on that. Who is the, the most recent Buffalo sports athlete to even, I guess, be in the conversation with Diggs or Diggs be in the conversation with them? Oh, that's a, before, yeah. yeah. Before I answer that, I, I think the, the biggest thing to consider here is that Diggs is the most um, dominant he's he's easily the most talented wide receiver that the bills have ever ever had um i and and that's i know andre reed's a hall of famer but but like Diggs is gonna uh, be too <laughs> right i mean you you come into a, a franchise and you automatically have the best receiving season ever you blowing records away just blowing records away um, and I know it was like a pass happy team, but I mean, 
you got you went out to and got digs so you can be a pass happy team and that's what you have to show for it um so to, to consider that he is 100 the most talented and most dominant player that they've had um in a long time um i mean i, I don't you said you said hashik and i I mean, at first, that's a shock to the system. And I still think that that's too much, but he's up there and that's saying something. Is there anybody on the, I mean, who can you think of on the bills, the last player who would be at Diggs' level? Bruce, uh, Bruce Smith, probably. So that's even going back still like 20 years. Right. Like Bruce Smith, Bruce Smith is easily the most talented bill ever. Oh in yeah. My, in my head, like the, the guy was amazing um and to me Diggs is up is up there with even bruce smith in in turn not in terms of career here god no but like in terms of single seasons i mean Diggs just had it this year um so i don't think you can uh, it I, this is such a tough comparison to make because it's only one year but it's such a dominant season that you have to talk about it right mm-hmm. taylor maybe i'm i think yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm I don't know if I'm overreacting, it. but no, no, that's fair. I was thinking, I was trying to think of other good bills or other bills that are like on that level. I guess like you could look at the seasons like Mario Williams and Marcel Darius had in 2013 and 2014. Ooh, yeah. Those are guys maybe. Uh, obviously, uh, eh, success was let's say, you know, not uh, they didn't have long term success. We'll put it that way. So other guys <laughs> like. Like we had Marshawn. Marshawn wasn't nearly as good in Buffalo as he was in Seattle. So that doesn't count, obviously. Guys like that were like perennial pro bowlers like Jarius Bird, but I feel like that's not even close. Like receiving wise, like Sammy Watkins showed flashes, obviously nowhere close. Stevie Johnson was he was great, but not like this. Uh, like Eric Molds, like receiving wise, is probably the best one they've had in the, the 21st century. Yeah. But yeah, I like I actually do I I, I think to your point about Diggs being like as good as anyone they've ever had, like uh, Peter Burke's uh, Twitter uh, personality. I think that's the best way to put it. uh, (laughs) Mentioned uh, that he thinks Diggs is also the best, like the most talented receiver in Bill's history. It is an interesting thing to think about, like, like more talented than Reed and molds like that. That's, that's like a huge, uh, huge yeah, definitely. (laughs) I don't know if like that would count, like, cause like, T.O. and James Lofton were both pretty old when they were here. So I guess that would be, they probably wouldn't count to the, like as much of the talent thing, but like, yeah, Molds and uh, Reed all played all but one year uh, each of their career here. So, I mean, I hopefully Diggs, you know, is able to do something like that. He won't break like any career team records, but I mean, he's incredible. Like <laughs> that's, that's the easiest way to put it. Like if you wanted, if you yeah. want, yeah. I see. I feel like if you really wanted to track it to who you can compare it to most, like Pat LaFontaine seems like a good comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, to you, you know, you traded for him halfway through his career, and he was still a dominant player here immediately coming here. I think that might, if you're going purely Buffalo sports comparisons, LaFontaine might be your best bet, depending on how long Diggs stays here. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, he has better Forever. luck. Yeah, hopefully he's right, better right. luck than LaFontaine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to compare the entire career, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, LaFontaine had a, a few good years here, and you hope that that's what Diggs has too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I just also, you know, want to throw out like John Brown hasn't been healthy most of this year, 
uh, he is healthy now, obviously. But like last year, he was there was talk, you know, for a while that he might lead the AFC in receiving yards. He didn't end up doing that. He slowed down in the second half of the year. But like just in terms of like what the offense was from 2018 to 2020, it's kind of insane. Like that was only two years ago. So obviously, John Brown is is miles and miles ahead of anyone that was on uh, the team in 2018. Cole Beasley who's a second team all pro. I know he doesn't have like second team all pro numbers, but like he's as good as any slot receiver in the league right now. Uh, and then even like Gabriel Davis, like when's the last time the bills fourth receiver had like five or six touchdowns. Like, yeah, it's insane. And they could just have someone step in. I think that's just a, a unbelievably enormous difference for most of my life. Like a lot of, I think my, I don't want to say prime bills years, but like, you know, when I was in middle school and early high school, it was like, Oh, is Lee Evans open? Okay, well, I guess you should throw it to Josh Reed and he's going to drop it. Or like, oh, Roscoe Parrish had 44 yards today. Maybe he's uh, maybe he's figuring something out. Or like the second version of Peerless Price when he came back, when he couldn't really move. And now it's like, okay, our their fourth receiver is awesome. Like Gabe, Gabe Davis makes catches that like, you know, guys, you could go five years without seeing before, like during the drought. So it's it's fun. I agree. And one thing that I think can't be overstated is how well that this, this um, organization has identified um, receivers that are going to be effective in the offense that they want to run. Um, I mean, understanding what, understanding what type of offense you want to run to begin with is the thing that I feel like most NFL teams don't really get to develop over time uh, because of, uh, reasons, reasons, uh, one, some reasons over others. Um, but I mean, like the bills somehow had the perfect formula of development for everybody involved. Um, and I don't think, I don't know if that's by accident or not. Um, I don't think it is. Um, but it's one of those, like, it's one of those things where like, even the best teams don't get everything right all the time. And for somehow the Bills got everything right on what they needed and how, who they wanted to be on Josh. I mean, we're, I, I mean, I think all of us here were wrong on Josh. Um, like, <laughs> yes. like um, it's, it's just incredible that not only did they have a vision of where they were supposed to go, but they also successfully executed it. And that's something we've been looking for for 20 years to happen. And then it, suddenly it finally did um it's pretty weird and, and it's and it's great it's great it's yeah. amazing it's it's you you can't there's no other way to look to look at it they deserve all the credit all the uh, you know awards that come with it and now the only thing left to do is to win the uh you, you know go win the stuff that actually matters uh, you know the coach of the year and gm of the year that's good for you guys yeah, best receiver but like now we're in a spot where it's just like okay now go and do all this stuff and do really, the damn really thing. bring it home do the damn thing like kyle brant said <laughs> <laughs> well any last thoughts on the bills guys before we wrap things up anything else we want to get in before uh or even about the sabers actually for that matter but i mean i think i know the answer to that question <laughs> No, tune in Monday right. night. <laughs> What's that, TJ? I said tune in Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. I know it's – I'm sure all I'm going to be thinking about this week is this, uh, you know, two-game series against the Flyers. It's unfair that we have to watch 
like four Sabres games before watching the Bills again. <laughs> it's awesome. torture. It's, it's the way of keeping us grounded. You know, you can't give us too many good things. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. All right. Uh, but yeah, no, 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 no other thoughts. No other thoughts? All right. No well, TJ, thank you so much, my friend. We very much appreciate it. Everybody, make sure you're checking out uh, TJ on Twitter at Steady Riot. Uh, we always appreciate you coming on, and I am sure throughout this very exciting and uh, we'll, we'll just call it interesting, I guess, Sabre season, we'll, we'll definitely have to have you on again. Sure. And one more thing, uh, I have to say it. Um, a big shout out to Marquis Grand getting a song on the NBC broadcast last night did anybody did anybody really? see me say that uh yeah so we were i was in the third quarter and i'm just sitting around and um i all, all of a sudden i hear matt on the drums playing the intro to a, uh calling me our song calling me um i'm i'm not i'm not kidding you like that this is a real thing that how happened did that ha- how- I, text, I texted all the guys none of us know how it happened somebody just found it are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. I, I can't believe I was going to forget to bring this up. But yeah, they oh. played a Marquee Grand song as a bump going into the broadcast last night. And, awesome. um, Congratulations. Actually, thank you. Um, so, and uh, now, now this is a thing. I, I definitely think it would have come from NBC. I generally don't think anybody from the local scene would put a music bump over that. I, I don't know how it happened. Um, but yeah, a Marquee Grand song was played as a music bump leading into third quarter, one of the third quarter um, drives. Wow. It was, I, text, I texted all the guys and none of them were like, we didn't submit anything. Like that's, it's just a thing that happened. Unreal. So. Well, everybody make sure you're checking out Marquee Grand. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So I, I'd yeah. be remiss if I didn't shout that out. <laughs> Yes, but, no, definitely. Okay. Well, props to you. Congratulations, because that is very, very awesome. Yeah, um, it was very cool. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Well, thank you again, my friend. It is always a pleasure having you on, and we're looking forward to having you back again soon. So, Thanks with for that, being, me, guys, thank you. Absolutely. So, with that being said, everybody, that wraps up this episode of Straight Up Sabers presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. Again, make sure you're checking out the Hockey Podcast Network online at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at HockeyPodNet. 31 shows for 31 teams in the NHL, along with a ton of other great NHL content. Again, with the season just getting underway now, the Hockey Podcast Network is your one-stop shop for all things NHL. And make sure you're also checking out Buffalo Fanatics again on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure you're checking out all of their corresponding podcasts as well. Again, with the Bills now heading into the AFC Championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Fanatics is the premier place for you to get all of your Bills news. So make sure you're checking them out all week. And make sure you're checking us out as well on social at straight up sabers uh, and make sure you're following us and uh, subscribing to our podcast on your streaming platform of choice so everybody uh, tj i don't know if you remember this or not but we like to end our episodes with just giving a random sabers player uh we changed it up where instead of saying them all at the same time now we we give them the proper honoring that they deserve and we each take our time and give our own uh, little take on why we wanted to just choose a player. And it can be as simple as just because you felt like it. So Taylor, why don't we start with you so we can give TJ a minute to think about one. Who is your random Sabres player of the episode? Corey Conacher. Corey Conacher. (laughs) Canisius College alum. That's right. Love that. 
For mine, I'm going to go back a little bit further into Sabres history, and uh, I'm going to go with uh, number 37, Curtis Brown, as my Sabres mm. player of the episode. TJ, who do you have for yours? Uh, Matt, I was going to grab my Corey Conacher Turdberger and use that as my player, but, oh! but, uh, but Taylor, Taylor, uh, Taylor took that for me. So uh, I'm going to have to go with uh, Mike Wilson. Mike Wilson. That is a name. There we go. All right, everybody. Well, hey, thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. So we will talk to you next time. This has been Straight Up Sabres.